0: This episode of the Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by the Ma-E Theatre Company of New York and their newest production of Once Upon a Korean Time, written by Daniel K. Isaac. Now, we here at Good Pop are big fans of all sorts of pop culture, uh, books, TV, movies, uh, and that also includes theater. Uh, The Ma'i Theater Company is a professional, award winning nonprofit, 501 501c3 organization founded in 1989 whose primary mission is to develop and produce new and innovative plays by Asian-American writers. Since its founding, Ma'i has distinguished itself as one of the country's leading incubators of new works, shaping local and national conversations about what it means to be Asian-American today. Their latest play, Once Upon a Korean Time, mixes traditional Korean fables with the horrors of the Korean War. Daniel K. Isaac's epic new play is a funny and deeply moving analog for the experiences of the Korean-American diaspora. Isaac deftly moves his characters through time, tracing the legacies of trauma that are passed on from one generation to the next, and the various coping mechanisms each one uses to soldier on. The show promises sea kings, bubbles, tigers, generational traumas, and of course, barbecue previews begin on august 23rd at la mama's ellen stewart theater in new york city and the show will have a limited run through september 18th so if you are lucky enough to be in the new york area or if you're planning to take a trip out there over the next month um definitely check it out um, tickets are available now at Um that's m-a-y-i-t-h-e-a-t-r-e.org and now the show
1: listening to Whoa. Whoa. Pot-luck.
0: Pot-luck. and what is poppin everybody you're listening to the good pop culture club episode 119 my name is marvin Yue and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days we have rotating back in <laughs> uh, professional culture editor han win
1: hey hey
0: han. Jess is once again off traveling. Um, I think she's in Hawaii this week. Must be nice to have no work to do at all.
1: I mean, when she goes missing, it's for fun. When I go missing, it's like I, I'm having, you know, technical meltdowns. <laughs>
0: yeah, or it's a big news day because... Um,
1: oh, shoot. Yeah.
0: The queen is dead. Long live the king. Is that the...
1: <laughs> well, is I'm, that the saying? I, I think that's a saying. However, I need to double check like the whole ruling because i don't know if he's king until he gets coronated and i don't know if that's like soon or three months from now or what because and the only reason why i say that is because you know based on a play that got turned into a masterpiece (laughs) project that actually was a key point about uh, a plot point about um him becoming king so
0: wait but so i am not familiar with the british monarchy my mm. main exposure to monarchies is through fantasy fiction so <laughs> is there like an elector system does he had like does the windsor family need to like decide who um who I, the I, heir is, or is it I, like I don't all think that
1: like- was it but i think i think oh gosh i can't remember because i remember when so I literally wrote about this and I did interviews about it. Like, <laughs> how is this thing possible that there was this loophole? Um, and it was only because he was, he became massively in the play. That is, he became uh, massively unpopular for some ruling he was doing. And so there was like a coup among the royals. I don't know. So I, I have to like double check to see if that would actually work out or not. Because honestly, I think it's a question that a lot of people have. So, yeah. um, I might need to write about it. I mean, um, we all
0: thought this day would never come. We all thought she was going to outlive her son and just go straight she, to her grandson.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's a vampire, right? So I still was <laughs> like, not until we see the body. But, um, <laughs> 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 but you know, it's, it's kind of bizarre to me when you think about every single thing that we have in pop culture um, that we have really associated with um, has only existed since her you know since she was born like obviously there are things pre-existing that but like when we're talking about like pop culture things like the internet you know only knows a life with the queen you know uh moving pictures only knows life with the queen so it's kind of like she was the ultimate um pop culture monarch she was the first televised i think royal um english royal that is and all that other type of stuff so yeah it's kind of like i, I mean, don't think she's agree.
0: in the public domain right like there have been yeah. many 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 films and tv series made about and characters her and,
1: her and men in drag and songs about <laughs> yeah so we're actually um that was one of the reasons why i was like kind of in a rush, just like, Marvin, I got stuff to do today. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: Um, apologies <laughs> again, this episode's coming in pretty late because um, I'm, I've am i been swamped at work, and Han, we were supposed to record earlier, but then, you know, the queen died, and so... Um, yeah.
1: It meant a lot of pivoting for every news place, probably.
0: It's also a little, um, I don't know if sad is the right word.
1: Well, look... That I the think world the-
0: still seems to revolve around the British monarchy... And like, yeah. remember, it's, she was empress at some point in her reign, too.
1: Yeah, I think like it's literally something imperial. depending on like where you are in the world. Obviously, even if there are mixed emotions, the Brits are probably like sad, but the Irish are fine. Um, and <laughs> like the Americans are all over Twitter making really tasteless, great jokes that I've been enjoying ridiculously. Um, we have to be B- specific here.
0: The brown Americans are.
1: Um some. No, I mean a lot of white Americans I know also don't really care. But it's only like here's the thing. I follow the Royals a lot, but not as much as some of my friends do. And I don't care. Like, look, she's ninety six. She lived a good life and like did a lot of bad things, but also some good things, fine. You know, she had tea with Paddington. You know, I'll give her that. But um (laughs) it's it it, I, I I do agree that maybe there might be some uh color line drawn. But I do think that some a lot of Americans, or at least among the ones I know who are white, are just kind of like, eh, this is the queen. She's like lived a good life." <laughs> you know? Like they don't really care. Yeah,
0: ninety six is pretty good, especially if you consider, um, you know, based on my viewings of The Crown, that many of those years <laughs> are very stressful.
1: Yeah, and 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 of course, you know, being the queen, she's gotten every single thing possible for her to be well. But that also means that she could have you know lived a life of excess like a lot of other monarchs or like rulers have and she's um maybe it's just because she's a a woman um and like sort of like crossed over into the modern age of medicine and all that type of stuff but yeah it's kind of impressive about like how long she's lived like honestly even though everyone's like well if charles lives as long as his mom he's gonna have a decent reign and i was like you know but he already looks old Uh, yeah he's (laughs) kind of beat up isn't he I mean he looks like the head vampire already. So, um we'll, we'll see if he makes it through the 80s. Like he's 70, going to be 74 in November, I believe. So, um yeah, we shall see.
0: Well. That's what's popping in the world. But that's not all that's popping. Um on this episode, we are I guess we're keeping it in the Commonwealth. Um we're taking a look at a recent canadian um cbc slash netflix production called fakes about um two high school girls who inadvertently start the largest fake id ring in north america but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture is bringing us through this week um, besides the whole queen stuff um han is anything popping with you
1: Yes, this is actually what I was going to discuss last week before my computer woes, you know, took over. But um, this is pretty much the opposite of The Queen. Um, I want to talk about a new Netflix comedy called Mo, M-O. It is uh, starring, created by, and about the life of comedian Mo Ammer. He is from, what I, so okay, so some of the things that are really great about him is he is a Palestinian-American stand-up comic, um, there are two Netflix specials you can watch with him. I actually found it a little bit stressful to watch him because he part of his style of com- comedy is yelling a lot. And so <laughs> I, I was just like, after about 20 minutes, I was like, why am I feeling so stressed out? Even though I agreed with a lot of what he was saying. And I was like, oh, it's the yelling. Um, but his show, his his uh, this is actually a sitcom, is a lot, you know, there are only a few yelling points, but it's actually really interesting because what I love about it, second thing I really love about it is he is from my hometown, and not only just my hometown, he is from my school district. So, wow. um, so he is from Houston, Texas. He still lives there. Um, and one of the great things about that is he really, really emphasizes how incredibly inclusive and diverse um, Houston is, which is kind of the environment I grew up in. Um, and also he's from Aleve, which is the school di- district I'm talking about, and Aleve has c- kind of a weird reputation of you know lots of crime, but also a lot of diversity, <laughs> um, and it's it, and that's where I grew up. And it was interesting because one of those Netflix specials actually is introduced by The Rock, who apparently was also from the SWAT, Southwestern Aleve, Texas. Um, so is Beyonce, so is Lizzo, et cetera. But anyway, so in this actual series it's kind of a sitcom based on his life and so he has his mom who's making olive oil from fresh olives um, he's uh, the whole family is trying to seek asylum because they've been like basically been given the runaround for 20 years so he's you know at the mercy of whoever wants to hire him without papers um, his brother is working at like a chicken and cone shop but his brother also has uh, is autistic um, his, his girlfriend is Mexican American and she owns a auto body shop. Um, it's just really fun. Like it's, the, you know, there's definitely some lighthearted moments, but it's also shows like not only just the job situation means that he's at the mercy, you know, of who hires him, but it also means that he, you know, when something happens, he can't go to the police. Um, he can't go to the hospital and all these other things. So it's just I don't know. It's a quick eight episodes. Um, I think it's about half hour. You know, definitely check it out. But I think also for all you people who are from Space City, but also especially from the SWAT, you will find it very interesting because there are all the places that you used to go to there. Um, but it just gave me a lot of kind of like good feelings um, watching it.
0: You know, I saw this on Netflix and I, it looked really interesting. It definitely um, has similarities to the show we're going to talk about today, which is it's about, you know, hustlers, except he's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a real hustler I guess um, yeah. and it really does like I think stories of undocumented people are American stories and especially those that take place in a city like Houston which has been known as one of the most diverse cities in the nation but also sits in Texas which is yes. a very complicated thing right And
1: yeah it's 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 a, I have mixed feelings like of pride slash shame <laughs> Being from Houston and from Texas in general. But uh, and, you know, that's where my whole family is. And so I still once pandemic or at least once they feel safe enough, I am going to go back to Houston, Texas. But I also wonder, am I going to feel safe there? Like, I, I would love to wear a mask, but like there's a lot of non mask wearing stuff going on, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I wonder how it is there
0: cool i'll definitely check it out i'm in a mood for crime stories because yes because of the the show just just binged
1: yes there's some light crime maybe not as much as in in this as not as organized as the crime that we see in this current (laughs) show but anyway uh before we get to that what's popping with you marvin
0: all right what's popping is a book duology that i just read um the book of tea duology um it's two books the first is a magic steep and poison and the second is a venom's Dark and Sweet by Judy I. Lin. And we just interviewed her for uh, Books and Boba, which is why I read these two books over the course of a weekend. Um, They are YA um, fantasies, Asian-inspired, definitely Taiwanese, Chinese culture-inspired, about tea magicians, right? In this world, um, there is magic that is cast through the act of brewing tea. So no tea to It's essentially potion making, like apothecary stories, right? It's a potion for truth, a potion for, you know, murder, a potion for strengthening. And so the story follows an apprentice named Ning who travels to the capital city, to the palace, um, to participate in a tournament to decide who will be the next um, court tea person. Um, And she does this because her mother just passed away from being poisoned by Tiha, and her sister is sick, so she wants to win the princess's favor in order to save her family. And in the chorus gets caught in all sorts of political palace intrigue, rebellion, and all the the great fantasy kind of like court drama type of shenanigans, um, which culminates in the second book, which is more of a traditional hero's journey, where she goes on a journey to save her empire and defeat uh, an ancient evil. So it definitely hits all those uh, fantasy tropes. Um, I love it because it takes a lot of inspiration from Chinese myths. Um, You know, they talk about the the four cardinal gods and all that good stuff that if you grew up watching like sea dramas or anime, you'll be very familiar with. And the covers are just gorgeous. I'm going to show Han right now. This is the cover for the the first book.
1: I want these books.
0: It's very colorful. um, Very like, it, it, it just pops.
1: So do you recommend I buy the hard copy then? Because usually I just get it digital.
0: Um, it's up to you. I mean, do yeah. you have a bookshelf in which you want to show off your books?
1: I mean, I have a bookshelf and right now it's like covered with like one of those Japanese Norin curtains um, <laughs> because I have just so much junk on there. But I do eventually want to show my, off my books once I pare them down. Um, I think for me, I part of it is like, yes, I want nice books, but also maybe books that I... Will like to read maybe again so maybe what i'll do is try to borrow it and see <laughs> i have done that before where i'll like read a book from the library and be like no i want to own this and just go ahead and buy it
0: <laughs> yeah there is also a mysterious prince in there that's a love interest so you know
1: interesting well for look everybody. you had me at tea and brewing and magic and potions so <laughs> that i'm all about the tea right now so i like yeah. that
0: so yeah, again, it's A Magic Steeped in Poison. Um, it's the first book. And the second book is A Venom Dark and Sweet. And they're available at booksellers everywhere. And um, I'm glad I was able to read both books at once because there is a kind of a gnarly cliffhanger in the middle. Mm. Um, okay. But what I loved <laughs> no about do. the way that this books came out, those, so A Magic Steeped in Poison actually came out late last year and was like on the New York Times bestsellers list. A Venom Dark and Sweet just came out this past month. So if you were following the book, you only waited like six months to see- to get the sequel, which is pretty good pacing because normally, you know, you wait like a year or two or in the case of uh, Song of Ice and Fire, never to see how the story ends. So, um, you
1: know, I, I mean, we laugh about that, but yes, not only with. With Game of Thrones books, but also Wheel of Time, the dude straight up died, you know, before he could finish it. They had to hire someone else to finish the series for him. So it happens. So,
0: um, <laughs> yeah, definitely check it out. And if you're interested in learning more, um, we have an interview with author Judy Lynn um, coming out probably in a week or so on Books and Bubba. So check that out as well. Um, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're talking about the new Netflix um, crime dramedy it's a dramedy right sure um thanks so please stick around
1: hi i'm Shinyi pai host of the podcast blue suit in a world full of stuff what do we choose to hold on to The Blue Suit is a podcast about commonplace objects and the people who transformed them into something remarkable. From an inherited Chinese-English dictionary to an old caliphone playing records left behind by Japanese-Americans incarcerated during World War II, our podcast showcases modern-day artifacts of Asian America and what gets elevated to heirloom status. Find it by searching for The Blue Suit wherever you get your podcasts. Mmm, but we're still here, and we're going strong
0: It's an exciting time in Asian America There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences So what do we do? Tell more slices Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, FOBA, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at AsianAmericana.com or on your podcast app. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about Fakes, the new um, Netflix-slash-CBC-produced crime comedy drama, (laughs) dramedy series about two high school best friends who inadvertently start the largest fake ID crime ring in North America. Um, And is this based on a true story? Do we know?
1: Because
0: the intro card is very misleading. (laughs)
1: Let's just say... That they say it's based on a true story, but for legal reasons, this is all fake. So you, it's, <laughs> here's the thing. Maybe this is for the viewers to decide whether or not they think it's real. Um, just like the IDs that they are making.
0: The series is created by David Turkle uh, and stars Richard Harmon, Amelia Berenick, and Jennifer Tong. And is a 10-episode half-hour series um, available on Netflix now. And man what a ride uh, i actually did not hear about this series until han uh, recommended it um i think you did bring it up on a what's popping at some point right i'm not no sure.
1: actually no because okay. literally when i talked to you about this last week i started binging it and i was like wait <laughs> i'm enjoying this and then i finished it i was like oh oh okay yeah
0: <laughs> um, it starts off a little awkward as most teen mm-hmm. like comedies do because you know Teen comedies are about the cringe, right? But once you get past it and get into like the actual like what they're trying to do with the show, I was hooked. And I guess it's not a spoiler, but it does Mm -hmm. end on a very, very, very gnarly cliffhanger, which I am very upset about because (laughs) (laughs) I need to know what happens next.
1: Yeah. Um, so I guess we can talk about the awkwardness and also the sort of conceit that they use for this. Um, but the The two best friends, Zoe and Becca, um, are it's okay. Netflix, in its little description at some point, says it's told Rashomon style, (laughs) (laughs) which is just like I was like, we'll see about that because people overuse that. And basically what they do mean, though, is that we do see um, different points of view in each episode. So there's a point of view from Zoe for the first episode, a point of view from Rebecca or Becca from second. And, you know, it kind of alternates like that, except for there is a bonus one um, episode or two from this other person, which I don't know if I want to spoil that or not. But, um, but what's interesting is that, you know, Zoe is set up to be kind of this sort of straight laced, very dependable girl who her best friend, Becca has become popular and is way more interested in like, You know, making out and all this other stuff, and kind of has left her behind. So, um, for them to eventually get together to do this sort of uh, criminal (laughs) endeavor is an interesting bonding, yet also uh, splits them up and makes them fight situation. But I do like the point of view. story because we do see that when it becomes becca's story that she sometimes notices that her her best supposed best friend is not giving her the time of day or the um the sort of like understanding that she feels that she's due and so there's also well we can get to Clement in a bit but yeah <laughs> so yeah anyway i enjoyed that
0: yeah i mean, i did not know that it was going to be Rashman style, like the multiple viewpoints, Mm -hmm. until like the end of the first episode. And that's when my interest has really peaked because it's like, whoa, like they're doing something really interesting here. Because not only is it told through different viewpoints, both viewpoints are also very unreliable, like extremely unreliable.
1: Yes. Um, You realize something is a little bit odd in the second episode when you're just like, oh, it's not just that. You know, they're continuing the story where, you know, you see Rebecca's home or anything like that. No, 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 no. You are going over the same scenes and definitely things are very different.
0: Yeah, you realize there's like an entire character that's missing in uh, one of the viewpoints. And that confused me for the longest time. I was like, (laughs) is that person real? Is he imagined? Is this going to be some sort of like psychological like review at the end? Oh,
1: you thought it might be like Fight Club? (laughs)
0: Maybe yeah. Spoiler like,
1: <laughs> for Fight Club people who haven't watched it, <laughs> but yeah, I I you know I agree that that might be how it's got set up. Whereas with me, I was just like, oh my god, this is so like such a burn. Um,
0: yeah, it's so it's so well done too mm-hmm. because in the first episode, you're set up to be super sympathetic to Zoe, mm-hmm. uh, the character played by Emilia Borenic, who I, I think that's how he's pronounced her last yeah. name. That's just how, just how I'm going to do it. Um, people people can't pronounce my last name, so this is just me pairing forward she was also um who i later recognized as genevieve from to all the boys i loved before
1: yes um this is the thing about netflix is every now and then you're like why do i know you and then you have to look through imdb (laughs) and be like oh you're another another netflix teen you know (laughs) that's what i noticed from like i just watched devil in ohio and then i saw that one girl in there was also into all the boys and i was like what the hell
0: (laughs) yeah just instead of being the cool mean girl now she's like the um what's the right word like the frumpy nerd yeah
1: Yeah, she's the nerd kind of just like never kind of got over her um her interests as far as like that you know she never got with the times and adopted like more popular interests so um and so she's she's the one photoshop uh, yes, part of her nerdy interests. Um, yeah, she's always wearing like grandma sweaters and bucket hats, that type of thing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah so I guess, you no. Know, the inciting incident of the whole thing is um, Zoe, in order to go, I guess, study at a library. Is it the college library or like some library, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's a local college library because yeah. they're in high school. So in order to yeah. work there or get there.
0: She makes her own counterfeit college ID in order to be in that library. And when Becca finds out, she asks um, Zoe to make one for her. And then this is where the, um, the multiple unreliable narrators come to play because you never really know whose idea the whole thing was to begin with because they both blame each other. And I think that was the most interesting thing is Mm -hmm. like, not only is it like a Rashomon style, like multiple viewpoints, it's like multiple viewpoints from two self-centered teens, right? Who, you know, when you're a teen, nothing's ever your fault. Um,
1: yeah. They also break uh, the fourth wall in trying to convince us, the audience, that it was the other person's fault that, that got him into this, this business, this mess. Um, what did
0: you think about that, actually? Because I know the whole like flea bagging um, trend is kind of getting played out and definitely got like poo-pooed on when they did in Persuasion.
1: Yeah. So in general, I don't like it. Fleabag did it amazingly well. Um, Persuasion had no point in doing it. (laughs) And and, and I think She-Hulk does it a little bit. And honestly, I don't like it in She-Hulk, even though I like She-Hulk. But I do feel here it makes sense because they're not talking to the screen constantly. They're not trying to pull us in and like convince us or anything like that of, like a really big story instead they're going about their business and then every now and then a glance at us and be like see you know so I like that actually I think it works for the overall tone of the series when we were trying to figure out like what is this a comedy is it whatever and it's because of that little like those little touches where you very clearly see that like that they're very biased but they're also like they're teenagers. So, yeah, they're caught up in their own world uh, with that. And I think it kind of works out okay.
0: Yeah. And obviously, they're telling the story from way in the future. And this is something that, like, the show never gives you perfect information. Even the timelining of the of the story. Like, it starts in media res, um, while they're being busted. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think about the timeline of and the premise of the story, it doesn't make sense that that's the end of the story. Right. But I didn't realize that until the end of the season where I'm like, yes. Wait, there's got to be more. Right. Yeah.
1: There needs to be a second season. I would not be surprised if we heard of a second season soon because I think, here's the thing I don't know if it's actually done Mm. as well on Netflix as I wanted it to because I think I honestly binged it the first week it was out. So um, we'll see. Maybe it takes some time for people to find it. Um, But I, I, can't see why they wouldn't give us at least a second season wrap up the story like we i need an end to the story (laughs) um
0: yeah i did not expect to have so much fun watching and like mm -hmm. it's not perfect like sometimes i feel like they make too many cuts Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of quick cuts a lot of smash cuts and sometimes it's a little too much and you can definitely tell that it was made on a canadian netflix budget right so (laughs)
1: Well, here's the thing. What I loved was sometimes things are shot in Canada and you actually don't realize it's in Canada. There's a lot of that sort of hallmarky thing going on, um, but here it's very clearly Canadian. Um, not well. Like the I mean,
0: <laughs> as as a Canadian, I was definitely noticing. Yeah, like <laughs> there's a scene where a character is driving at 5:30 p.m. and it's already pitch black.
1: I mean that's how that. you know that's
0: that's like it's that's winter in Canada.
1: <laughs> we also get to see money, which is always oh, a dead giveaway,
0: <laughs> such colorful money, right yes. It makes you realize that our money here in the states is so boring. It's so boring It's so like bland and always sane. boring,
1: <laughs> Ugh. yeah, and I think they even do go to certain places in Canada or they talk about that or whatever it is like so I was actually just really happy to get those. Uh, very specific Canadian touches because I don't like it when um, American, you know, productions kind of just vague, makes everything vague (laughs) to make it seem like it's in America. I'm just (laughs) like, just say it's in Canada. I don't care. Um, I just had a thought, though. Mm -hmm.
0: Are they going to have to replace all of their bills now that there is a new monarch? Because Canada is a Commonwealth nation, which means the Queen Elizabeth is on their money.
1: Well, look, maybe I'm I'm assuming you mean just in Canada, not on the show, Um, but uh, probably. (laughs) But but also it's been a while. Like they've had a good run of money with her face on it. Mm,
0: Uh,
1: But here's the thing. We have dead people on our money, so it depends on what they think, you know. Mm, But then again, would you want your mom's face on the money, even though you're the you're the monarch? I don't know how that works out if.
0: Anyways, random thoughts. Um, We
1: shall shall see what all the Commonwealth (laughs) does.
0: Um, So the third character on the call sheet is um, Richard Harmon, who plays Trist, who is basically the girl's fixer. He's like a drug dealer who's like Mo, is a constant hustler. He hustles from day to night to make money. And like he's actually a third point of view that appears every Mm -hmm. once in a while. And I actually thought his POVs were always the most like were were probably some of the strongest moments of this show because it recontextualizes everything that you've seen. Yeah. Because he's actually most the most truthful character in the entire show. Like his point of view has no filter.
1: Yeah. So he's basically an adult, first of all. Um, and so he can move around in the world and have 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 connections that the girls do not. That's why they go to him, because they need someone to be the middleman when it comes to this like ID empire. Because they're just kids; they don't know like how. What are they just going to do? Just meet a few kids and find out? Like so. And also, he he's the one who's has always dealt certain things before. So um, yeah, he's the connections. Um, but because of his well sort of shady criminal connections that does mean that he has a more realistic view of what's going on in the world (laughs) um and that is not colored by the interpersonal strife between the two girls that is like growing from this uh endeavor that they just got into so yeah um yeah i found him very interesting too
0: Yeah. And so um, he helps the girls essentially, as they say in the startup world, scale their business. Mm -hmm. And so um, they can start dealing in higher numbers. And it was really interesting to see like this fledgling criminal enterprise start to grow. Trist provides the raw materials and the manufacturing. They provide the um, creative labor and then they also hire like salespeople to help slang the fake IDs, which, you know, I didn't grow up drinking in high school. Partly because, you know, legal drinking age here in the States is 21. So it will have a more of a leap. But drinking age in Canada is 18. So that's why I guess it makes sense that like high school kids are like trying to get those fake IDs because you you can probably pass as like 18 when you're like 16, 15, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I so I never had a fake ID, which is weird, but um, I know definitely my friends. And of course, as we've said, you just borrow another Asian's ID Um, if they're a little bit older then that works out for you. (laughs) But, um, yeah, here's what I thought was interesting to me was, who has the time to do any of this when you're a high school student? Like, here's the thing. I knew understand that, like, let's say in the real world, there's the low high school students like Try Harder who take on a zillion, you know, like extracurriculars and all this other stuff. But to have a completely whole different, like, uh, job on top of school just oh my god it sounds exhausting to me plus in this show each of the characters has some really big um, home life problems that are that they're dealing with so this to me I was just like I'm it it was a very kind of a thriller type of series for me but also I was like this is exhausting like (laughs) I was a tired (laughs) high school student all the time I don't know how they could have done this
0: I know and they also go to parties like I don't know oh yeah no
1: I didn't go yeah. to any parties in high school. <laughs>
0: well, it's because we weren't cool, Han.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was a Zoe before the uh, <laughs> the counterfeit ID scam. But um, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Han, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. in this battle of point of views between the two friends, who do you think was the worst friend?
1: Honestly? Zoe, I think. It, it was I'm, tough. Yeah, go ahead.
0: I agree. I, yeah. I, I, I'm totally on team Becca. I feel like Becca, even in Zoe's point of view always kind of had her back and Mm -hmm. was kind of there for her whereas i feel like zoe was very toxic like especially towards the later half of the season um yes like everything was kind of conditional everything was i think it feels like zoe was definitely more um intentional in her like
1: shittiness Yes, yes, yes. I I, I think, obviously, neither character is blameless for certain activities and things they (laughs) did and how they treat other people in their lives. However, if we're talking straight-up friendship, yeah, I I think it was interesting because then you start seeing these POV episodes, and with Zoe, you're just like, oh, you're such a martyr. And I question, you know, definitely (laughs) when we talk about the unreliable narrator, I was just like, this is over the top. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a scene in the first episode where you see like a broken lamp and then Zoe just says, don't worry about it. But then you see in the second episode, that lamp is broken because Zoe had a panic attack. And so you start to see the things that both characters omit in their storytelling mm-hmm. to make themselves look better. Again, I feel like Zoe's omissions are way more egregious. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I it's, And her it's, mistakes it's are way
0: worse, too. Not to spoil anything, but the the big thing that leads to the like the big like conflict yes. in the middle of the show completely one hundred percent is Zoe's fault.
1: Yes, let's just say not only is she a bad friend and not being truthful to herself about certain things, but she's a bad judge of character. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we haven't even touched on, and you know I don't want to say this is why I relate to Becca more. But Becca oh, yeah. is Chinese Canadian, and I don't want to make it seem like we're siding with the Asian just because you know Go Asian is our, is our brand. But I definitely related to her storyline more in her um, issues with her parents. Like the scene where she talks, she has like a talk with her mom, who is like a busy like mm-hmm. traveling businesswoman. Cut so deep. I was that was so like it wasn't even uncomfortable. It was just it was just sad the entire exchange.
1: Oh, yeah, it was heartbreaking. I I think that was the, because I was braced for a, a difference in, you know, generational desires. And it's like, I only want the best for you. And there was a little bit of that for sure. But what I think is interesting is... Um, we haven't even mentioned this, but like something about Becca is that she's not just popular. She is a fashionista and it's really fun to see every single scene, like what she's wearing, because these are outfits that no high schooler would wear. Like she has dresses with cutouts in the sides. She wears like go-go boots with heels. Um, she dresses almost like a Harajuku girl sometimes. Um, and, but it's really fun and it's extremely color coordinated, like too much for me sometimes. But um, <laughs> It's fun to watch, and she also lives in some ways a life of privilege because her family is wealthy. Um, right, whereas Zoe does not. So there's there's a lot of different factors when it comes to each of these characters that I found interesting because I was just like, yes, you know, I, while I do think that sometimes Rebecca I couldn't identify with because of that wealth and because of how she treats certain people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did think when it comes to just straight up friendship, like she was not the one dropping the ball.
0: Yeah. Jennifer Tong is the actress who plays Becca. And man, she is a revelation. I would want to see her in more yes. things. Like she's so much fun. And, you know, hopefully now that she's part of the Netflix family, we'll, we'll start seeing a lot more of her as well.
1: Yeah. I need to see her in some like some of those one off uh, teenage rom coms that they have those movies on netflix and then she can have her own lead thing but i mean look this is a lead role so it's not like she has to go up but i just i just like her a lot she's very you know engaging um yeah she does good work
0: yeah
1: it's a shame we're not spoiling things because there's some very intriguing plots that we are not talking about but i I want more people yes i I need more people
0: to watch this show so um, that's why we're not going to tell you all the things that we want to tell you but when i did watch the finale i slacked ton. like what that's the end
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it was just a very fun show that i stumbled across because at first i was like since i am in this business of tv um i kept getting these pitches about the show and i was like this sounds horrible and then <laughs> um when it actually debuted on netflix you know it, it does that like automatic trailer playing and i was watching i was like oh this actually might be fun for my three day weekend, right? So I just decided to yeah. put it on as a background thing while I folded laundry or something. And then I was like, wait, I really like this.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very deceptive because I did not expect to get pulled into this show so deeply. Like I thought, okay, it's gonna be like a cringy high school kind of comedy. Yeah. But there's so much in it, like the way that it actually takes the crime seriously too. You know <laughs> It
1: breaks it down how to make an ID. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is pretty cool. I'm sure they leave certain things out so people don't do this or whatever. It's so
0: <laughs> easy. A five year old can do it. So, you know, I should, yeah. we should, we should get, we're in the wrong business, Han.
1: Well, who says we can't have another hustle, like a side hustle? Cause this is a gig economy. And <laughs> um, we, you know, podcasting isn't paying the bills yet. So
0: <laughs> mm, that's true. That's true. Not
1: for me, anyway. <laughs>
0: One day, hopefully, we'll make enough to cover the hosting costs of this uh, podcast.
1: I am curious. Um, I didn't really have any sort of side hustle, but what were your earliest jobs that were paid um, as either a kid or a teenager? You know how you always um, have those, you know, like work at corn dog. Um, I mean, a hot dog on a stick. I was or an
0: office assistant at our school district. That was my first job oh. in high school. Um, and then in college, I was a cafeteria worker. I was. Oh, that's um, right.
1: That's how you can crack yeah. eggs with two hands, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then in grad school, I was a TA. So okay. yeah, those, those are my. Oh, so guess, you were in a, jobs.
1: In like indoors a lot. Okay. So <laughs> my first job was when I was a kid. So I uh, delivered papers.
0: Oh. I was
1: a paper girl. Um, paper girls
0: aren't a thing here in California, I feel like, I mean, Especially not in LA.
1: Yeah. Kind of dangerous
0: mean, to be out in the streets.
1: Yeah, I, I, I did live in the suburbs in Houston, um, but it was still dangerous. Like I was definitely chased by dogs and um, other other students or kids who didn't want my paper would yell at me. Um, and then uh, in high school, my actual paid job was probably working in a movie theater. So I'm oh. pretty on brand. Um, <laughs> and then in college, I was a an English tutor. So again, on brand.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, We didn't have a fake ID ring in my school. We did have (laughs) a porn ring because one of my one of my high school classmates was the first person in the entire school to get cable Internet in like 2001. And so him and his friends created like basically he would download all sorts of pornography from the Internet, burn them on the CDs and sell those CDs at school.
1: Oh my god! I think that's hilarious. The only things we did illegally were like you know we got cracked uh, gaming software, so we, so <laughs> it wasn't porn for us like us. Uh, so it was just video games, I guess. Um, I
0: mean, pi- we all did pirating. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. This, this is the good. age of like yeah. Napster and Kazaa. You know, like we all did. We all did. Um we all did slight crimes, just yeah. just a little. We bit did of crime, blockbuster,
1: but. you know, pirating too. Like you tape over the thing and you can record the two VHSs. Oh. So we yeah, we that. definitely did
0: some videotape dubbing. Like <laughs> you, you set up two VCRs yep. and you would dub. Yeah, yeah, man.
1: Uh, <laughs> the good old days. Yeah.
0: The good old days when you didn't have to pay fourteen ninety nine a month to watch everything. Although we did have to pay like five bucks a month to like rent blockbuster videos i guess
1: yeah you know what not having been the person who paid that i don't remember probably it was (laughs) i I assume it was cheap because we didn't have a lot of money and we had a blockbuster subscription
0: well wasn't it like 350 for like a five-day rental or something
1: i can't remember and yeah (laughs) and i know my 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 dad always used that for babysitting us you know
0: yeah we'll need a refresher in the Randall park blockbuster movie
1: (gasps) so excited for that (laughs) oh my gosh it's gonna take me back uh i kind of miss that
0: do kids even know what vcrs are if any one of our listeners is gen z please let us know if you know what a vcr is um all right well as we close our discussion of fakes um han is this good pop
1: yes 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 it's good pop please everyone watch it so that way we get a second season
0: I agree. I need to know what happens. You you have no idea how gnarly this cliffhanger is. And bigger picture, it was genius because as the finale was happening, I realized that there is way more to the story than the intro would, would lead you to believe. And I need to see all these characters again. I need to see um, where the story goes from here um, because it's been a while since the show really hooked me this way. You know, like the last few shows that I've been have been, you know, Marvel mcu slash star wars shows which haven't been really doing a good job you know we'll see how andor does you know next week
1: yeah i can't believe we're already getting andor i'm just like (laughs) honestly i was just like let us it's the last
0: hope i'm like i I need i need you to be good like Mm. you're the only one i have any hope for because it sounds because actually looks like you're trying to say something yeah (laughs) so i mean dig um, aluna
1: please don't let us down yeah
0: So to say that this show really like hooked me, it was such a pleasant surprise. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to recommend this to a lot of my friends who are looking for things to watch because it is just really good TV and um, definitely, definitely recommend it. All right. And with that, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Uh, Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go?
1: I am on Twitter at (laughs) Hanonymous.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at Marvin Yue. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. You can check out our our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Well, Han, welcome back to Good Pop. Um, Hopefully next week we'll have the full crew together. Um, But until then, uh, thanks for listening and go watch fakes. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye.